Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Amen. Well, good morning, North Monroe. It's always good to be with you. Good to get to see you. A couple things. Uh, First off, uh, Bill, just a little update on Bill. Uh, You saw him last week. Uh, you could probably tell he was not feeling 100% <clears throat> throughout the week. It, it really didn't get any better. And they're running tests. And best thing that they can guess right now that it is, uh, it might be, they don't even know yet, it might be a little bit of viral meningitis that he's dealing with. And so uh, be praying for Bill. Um, he's, you know, he's, I think it's just a slow recovery from it. So, um, He's in, he's in good hands. He's getting great care, but just pray for he and Amy. Pray for Amy, maybe a little bit more putting up with him. Uh, the other thing is, at, the, at all the doors, we had these bracelets. You might have gotten them. Hopefully, you're wearing them by now. These are our Pray for Easter bracelets. Easter is coming up uh, really quick, and we're going to have some opportunities for you to uh, be inviting people um, in different ways, but we wanted you to go ahead and start praying with us. Easter is the biggest Sunday around here, and for not just for us, but for all of our churches in our area, and uh, we just we, we really are expecting and hoping uh, we put our hope in God. He is going to do something incredible. Um, he, he's been doing something incredible, and Easter is just a part of that. Pray with us for Easter as you wear these. Let it be a reminder to pray for Easter. Pray for your friends who may be coming, and invite some people. All right, we can do that. Let's uh, let's go go to the Lord in prayer real quick, and we'll get into our sermon. Father, we're uh, just grateful for time together in Your Word. We're, we we just are blown away that You're here with us, and uh, just like what we just sang, these battles in our life that we're fighting on our own, I pray that we would stop doing that, that we would trust you and, and uh, walk with you in that. We lift up Bill and Amy. Uh, we pray for his recovery and his healing. And we lift up Easter. We know you've got big plans for us. Uh, for each and every detail and, and all the people that will be here, we pray that you would prepare their hearts. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I want to take you this morning to the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is, is one of those fun books that uh, we don't preach that often because it is really difficult to walk through it in an exegetical way, verse by verse, because there are so many details that we would have to drag you along into. And some of y'all would love it, and some of you would, would totally check out. But... Um, Hebrews, uh, we, we do have a group on Wednesday night that's been studying through it. Um, so in, in the sermon setting, the book of Hebrews is tough. In the Bible study setting, it's awesome because you can take all the time you need to walk through all the, you know, the tabernacle plans and the sacrificial system and who was Melchizedek, those kind of things. Uh, but this morning, I want to take you to Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verses 1. We think that uh, this letter to the Hebrews was written to a group of second-generation believers. So they had grown up in the church uh, they are now the ones who are taking on leadership roles, but there's a huge problem with this second generation group of believers in the Hebrew church is they haven't quite grown up yet. Um, they have grown up in the church. They have heard every foundational sermon about Jesus. They know who he is, but they missed it because they did not pay attention 
He says this, uh, uh, there's a guy, Ray Stedman, you've heard him quoted a lot here. Uh, he says this about the, uh, the writer of this letter. This convinces me that the writer of this letter, whoever he was, was a preacher. There is nothing more heartbreaking than to preach to people week after week and to see certain ones constantly exposed to the truth that you know could change their lives, set them free, transform their very existence, and bring them out into a realm of experience that uh, they hardly believe existed. You know this, and yet you see them week after week lose the whole effect of the message simply because they do not pay attention. This writer was probably a preacher. He felt this. This is a concern of just about every preacher that I know, that he would stand before his people and there's nobody paying attention. And uh, so the goal of this book of Hebrews is to encourage and exhort the church. And he does this several times throughout. He's, he's basically saying, wake up, here's your warning. This, the, the, you have the chance to draw near to Jesus. And this is, this is your warning. And uh, so Hebrews 2, 1, he says this, For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. So we won't drift. That's uh, the first uh, encouragement and exhortation, I think, that we see in Hebrews. So he's already laid this foundation. We'll get to that in just a second. But his concern is about these, this church drifting and when you, you know drifting, it's kind of dangerous sometimes. I mean, depending on, I know all y'all are going to go to the beach here in the next few weeks. Y'all are going to get out there in the water, and you've already, you got your chair set up over here and your umbrella and your book and whatever else you got out there. You jump out in the water, and you don't even realize it. And this is kind of our fear about the kids getting in the water, you know, as a parent, that you don't realize that you started right where everything is placed, and, and, and the longer you're out there, the further you drift and the further you're going to drift into Blake's piano, and the further you go. And, and so, uh, or maybe you get too far out. And, and, you know, it never pushes you back in. It always pulls you out, you know, where the sharks are, and that's when we get scared and all that stuff. So actually, there, in this one verse, there are two terms that, that are kind of nautical terms. We've, drifting is one of them. But there's one right before it that, that uh, you wouldn't catch in just reading it. Um, in the English language, when he says, pay attention all the more, uh, all the way back in the original language, that word was also used to, uh, to talk about a ship who, it, that is brought to land and tied off. So when he's saying, pay attention all the more so that we won't drift, he's saying, look, tie the boat in the, in the place where, where the foundation is good, so that we don't drift from the place where we know we ought to be. Um, you know, and we, we aren't big lake people. Um, lake's kind of scary. If I can't see the bottom of it, I'm kind of uneasy. Um, but we do go out to the lake, you know, in the summertime. We spend some time with our friends. And uh, I, I don't have a boat, and I'm not the one to drive the boat. But, you know, the, we got friends that do that. But there's always a person you know, the, the most important person is driving the boat. The second most important person is the one that ties the boat up when we're done with it, right? Not one time have we brought the boat in after we've been out on the lake, brought it in. Not one time did we just hop out of the boat and just leave it, right? 
It's, it's one of the most important steps. You got to tie it up so that it doesn't, you got to give heed to is what that word means. So it doesn't drift off and hit another boat or run ashore somewhere. And so he's, he's telling them, you've got to tie up to what you already know or you're going to drift from it. Uh, these things that you know to be true. What was that foundation he's already talked about in chapter 1? Let's go back to that. Chapter 1, 1 through 4, he basically summarizes the whole book of Hebrews in these four verses. He says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then he just dives right into it. He explains just about each and every one of those things. See, there's a foundation that they already knew that they had been taught week after week. But he was afraid they weren't paying attention to these things. They weren't paying attention that, that Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God, the light of the world, the exact imprint of God's nature. So were they wondering, what, what is God like? Well, we've already got, we've, we've got Jesus. He's powerful and made purification for our sin, finished the work, sat down the right hand of the majesty. They'd been taught all this week after week. And these things are what we want to tie off to. And what we're going to find out, we're going to find our anchors in. Um, I read the story this week of these two ladies, uh, I think it was back in 2017. They had set sail off the uh, uh, coast of Hawaii I'm not sure. It didn't really say where they were trying to get to, but it wasn't long before a storm hit and their engine was flooded. Their sails were tattered and just useless. And so, and, and then they tried to radio in. Radio didn't work. And uh, they were out in the middle of the ocean. And so they were just kind of left to drift wherever it took them. Um, for 98 days, they drifted. Radioed in, didn't work, kept drifting. They were discovered uh, 900 miles off the coast of Japan. Uh, there was a fishing boat that had come out and, and ran into them, and finally they were able to radio and, and get help. Luckily, they had enough food to survive and for them and their two dogs, and, and so everybody's fine. They were rescued, and I think it said when they got uh, onto the, the boat to take them in, they just let their boat keep drifting. I guess that's the thing you do. But uh, I wonder, at, at what point in the 98 days, surely on day one, you start worrying about the drift, right? Where is this going to take us? And then months into it, you're still drifting. Like, where am I going to end up here? Um, I think we do the same thing spiritually if we're not careful. I think we just drift along day after day if we don't pay attention. Why do we drift? What reasons do we have that we drift? The first one and uh, this, is a, uh, this is also seen in this church of the Hebrews here. The first one is we drift because of our immaturity. Look at uh, Hebrews. We're going to jump around a lot in Hebrews, but just bear with me. Hebrews 5, 11 says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, 
since you have become, have become so dull of hearing. He is not laying off on them. I mean, it's, this is, that's a tough saying there. Uh, but for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who, lo- who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is the characteristic of the Hebrew church. That they were an immature second generation, had not paid attention, they had not grown up. They were not ready to feed other people because they could not feed themselves. And uh, we are not far from that if we are not careful. Um, At some point, there's this encouragement. You've got to You've got to grow up a little bit into this and move on from uh, the milk and into the solid food. Drifting because of immaturity means that you're going to get pushed around wherever the currents or wherever the wind takes you, just like that, those two ladies. You don't know where you will land or if you will land. And there are tons of currents out there. Get caught up in the current of, of our culture and see where that takes you. I mean, it's just round and round. It's not going to lead you closer to the Father. Um, people in your life that, that if you aren't careful, they can be a current. They can, they can influence you. Um, so be careful with that, getting caught up in these currents and the drift. The danger of drifting is, is that a lot of times we don't even realize that we've drifted. Sometimes, just like we're at the beach, we can still see where we came from. We can see maybe, and we think maybe I can get back to that pretty easily. But we don't realize if we do nothing, we keep drifting farther and farther and farther and farther from the place where we know we need to be. And we're comfortable with it. We haven't, we don't have that sense of urgency. It's the danger of drift. It's gradual. Drifting is gradual. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this kind of twisted book called The Screwtape Letters. And when you read it, if you do, you got to be careful. You got you to read it from the perspective of the enemy, okay? And, and, and it's, it's kind of the tactics of, of uh, when, when a person comes to faith for the first time, how the enemy responds to that. It's, it's really fascinating, but you got to be careful with it. One chapter, he says this. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. And I think that's what he's talking about here, this drift. As long as we don't wake up to the fact that we've drifted and and have that sense of urgency, we're just fine. We're just fine. But that's a sign of immaturity, and we'll drift because of immaturity. The second reason we drift is irresponsibility, neglect. All right, it, it would be like, you know, getting done at the end of the day with the boat and just everybody hopping out, you know, and letting it see where it ends up. You know, we'll find it later. Uh, irresponsibility. You know, we always drift away from the faith. We never, we're never going to naturally drift towards God, right? D.A. Carson said that. People don't, do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, ever. And so if you do nothing to grow in Christ, you're going to drift away from him. 
So you have a responsibility in this, all right? You have a responsibility. There, there's a, a term, I think it's a term from the counseling world. Uh, I heard it recently called SUDS. It's an acronym, S-U-D, uh, SUDS. It means seemingly unimportant decisions. And, and I think the way they use this is, you know, when a person's in crisis, sometimes we're wondering, we, when we come to our sense, we're like, how in the world did I get to this place in my life? And, and to unpack that, you have to kind of go back through, you know, what, what were all the decisions that led to the place where I'm at right now? You know, a lot of times it's not just one big decision. You know, I didn't, I didn't just decide one day to go ruin my life. But it was, it was these seemingly unimportant decisions over time that, that, that caused the drift, right? Um, so be careful with that. Um, it's not one big decision, but maybe a thousand small ones. And that's our responsibility. David Jeremiah said that uh, we, he points out we drift uh, irresponsibly because of presumption, that we think somebody else is going to take care of it. Somebody, maybe somebody else is going to take care of me. They'll pull me back in if I get too far, right? We think somebody's going to keep us grounded. Maybe we think that these things that we are doing that are good things, you know, our church attendance, our, our, uh, how, how much Christian music we listen to, we think those are the things that are going to keep us from drifting. And those are great things, great things. But it's not enough on your own. And uh, realistically, looking at this, some of us drift just because of busyness. Um, we, we, we allow our lives to be so busy that, that we just drift and, and we maybe even feel good about the busyness. And so we don't worry about the drifting. Um, this is, uh, I see how easy this is in my family. Uh, as a parent of young kids, you know, we're constantly chasing practice times and homework and, uh, you know, tomorrow the test is coming. What are we, you know, all, all those things. Oh, we got to eat dinner sometime. Okay, let's do that. And we just get busy and we forget. Man, I could, I could be drifting from the place where uh, God wants me to be. Um, a study in 2018 found out this. This is mind-blowing to me that the, uh, the families spend an average of 37 minutes together each day. And, and I, I don't, I, it may be, but I don't think that that 37 minutes is all at one time. You know, if it is, that's probably dinner time. But it's probably like 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. 37 minutes, all right, on average, that, that a family has time to spend together per day. So, so follow me with this. Whatever we allow in our lives to keep us busy is probably going to take away from the 37 minutes that we average with our families, right? And all of a sudden we wake up and wonder, what happened? What happened? Um, Protect your time with your family. We have to fight busyness. It's going to steal years away from us and make us feel okay for drifting. But stopping the drift is our responsibility. Um, so how are we going to do it? How do, we, how do we stop the drift? We know that we're the ones moving. It's not God. He, he is immovable. And we're the ones that have, have shifted away. How do we stop this? The first way we stop this is we need anchors. 
And the first anchor that we see, we pointed out in Hebrews, to stop the drift is, uh, is a group. You know, an anchor, it, it, it doesn't, like you'll, the boat will still move a little bit, right? But it's, it's not going to drift all the way away, right? And one anchor that God gives us is a group. Look at uh, Hebrews 3, 13. It says, but encourage one another daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Encourage one another daily. So if I don't have a group, who am I encouraging and who is encouraging me, right? So, so the assumption here is that we have a place where we can anchor down that, that when, when I am struggling in life, when I can't see clearly, I have people in my life who can encourage, encourage me back to where the place I need to be, but I can also encourage another person. Uh, that's why life groups here at North Monroe are one of the most crucial things that we do. Um, you talk to people who are in them, and, and, and maybe they, they had attended for a while before and then jumped into a life group. There is a huge difference there because they have a place to encourage one another, and they get encouraged. Um, people around you can hold you up when you can't move forward. When we don't have a group, we're going to drift. Um, and we know it's way easier to skip out on life group or any kind of time in the Word than it is to say no to an opportunity. But fight that. Fight the drift and anchor down with the group. The other anchor, another anchor that we have, and we see it here in Hebrews, is the Word of God. Watch what he does. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Word of God is our anchor. And, and, and in our, left to our own devices and in our minds, we will listen to the lies of the world. And if we don't have the Word, and to get into the Word, uh, we're going to drift we need the truth of God's word to take root in our life. That's why the psalmist said, Psalm 119, 11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And he said later in verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Um, and don't forget 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Are you anchored to the Word of God in your life? And it's going to lead us to the last one. And, and that song we sang just a minute ago was so perfect for this. Um, another anchor is our hope in Jesus. Um, chapter 6. He gets a little direct with it. He said, we have this hope, chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters behind the, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So he's saying our hope in Jesus is the anchor that we need to hold us firm and secure so that we will not Drift. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
with patience. Hope is what we look forward to, how God will fulfill his promises to us, right? Uh, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And he's already set up how, how God has been faithful all throughout the Old Testament. In each and every step of the way, he makes a prom- He made a promise to Abraham, he fulfilled it. And, and he's made promises to us too, that all who are in Christ will be with him. And we can hold on to that. Um, so what keeps us anchored is a strong relationship with Jesus. And like uh, everything else in life, we'll usually pull up our anchors first when we get stressed Our life presses down on us. Um, Hebrews 12, let's look at that one. One and two, therefore, since we have been surrounded, or, or since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You will stop the drift when you do this. Lay aside every hindrance. Set your eyes on Jesus. Keep your hope in him. And pay careful attention to what we have heard and remember so that we won't drift. Because you know Anchors are going to keep us in place when the storms of life hit. And you don't know when they're coming. You don't know. Um, it's, it's one thing to drift just because there's a natural, you know, it's, it's always going to push us away. It's another thing when the storms hit. What are we going to do if we're not prepared for that? I honestly don't know how people make it through uh, the storms of life without this without a hope in Jesus, without a group, without the word of God to, to keep us, you know, at least help us to know which direction we're going. So my challenge to you this morning is to stop the drift, to put the anchors down, and let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to these things we've heard so that we won't drift. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have a time of response. So let's pray together. Father, your word, like it says, is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And if we would just trust it, if we would just remember the hope that we have in you and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And Father, no matter how far we've drifted, would you bring us back to this place where you can grow in our hearts and you can, um, so that we don't have to depend on, um, you know, the milk anymore, but we can move on to the solid food and mature in our faith. And Father, if we don't have hope in you, where do we put our hope? And uh, God, would you help us with this? We pray this in Jesus' name. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.